Warning, the following podcast may contain strong language, unusual humor, emotional content, and a good cup of tea. Basically, all the good stuff. Listener's discretion is advised. I live in a cottage in the countryside and because it's halfway through my work and my boyfriend's work. So I travel to work every day, around 50 minutes. And my favorite thing to do in these 50 minutes every day is to listen to podcasts. So I'm really happy to be here. And the place where I live is, is really quiet. It's really a small village. So I have a few roads around me, but lots of trees and basically really lots of places to explore. Uh, there's a little river by my house, which I, I can go for walks sometimes by the river. But my commute to work is not necessarily the prettiest. Uh, the first roads around my house are, are, are nice and I can see lots of trees and little farms around. But then at some point I hit a big road and it's just going straight. <laughs> and apart from listening to podcasts, I also really go into listening to audiobooks, which is something that I had never tried before. Um, but I've always enjoyed reading a lot. I don't know if if anyone can relate to me, but cell phones kind of made me not be as good at spending a lot of time reading. So by listening to audiobooks, I kind of found my passion again of meeting characters and stories uh, while I'm traveling to work. So I'm enjoying doing that as well. Bella, or Isabella, lives in Norwich in a town called Honington that's known for its amazing views, its nice, quaint and quiet nature, and of course, pubs. Um, right now, I'm in the UK, in the countryside, in a village called Honington. I'm a biologist, and I work on molecular biology. I work in a company that basically tries to improve tropical crops. So we work around uh, coffee and banana and trying to make plants that are more resistant to diseases. Uh, so there are diseases all over the world that are destroying, especially banana fields all over the world, especially in Latin America. And we're trying to basically use genetic engineering to make plants that are stronger and can survive these challenges. Did you always know you wanted to work in biology and when did you find out that this was what you wanted to do? Um, my career somehow flowed in a very spontaneous way. Uh, when I decided to be a biologist, I thought I wanted to save whales and work with you know ecology and studying animals. And then I got into university and the first opportunity that came my way was something completely different, was working with tiny, tiny things that I can only see under the microscope. And I decided to give it a go. And it was an institute that I really admired and I never saw myself working at because it seemed like a big thing to me. Uh, but this opportunity came my way and I decided to give it a go and I just fell in love with it. And it has been like that for every single step. Isabella now works and lives in the UK, but she came from a place that was entirely different. A place that's known for its carnivals and festivals, talented soccer players, tropical beaches, exquisite waterfalls, and an Amazon rainforest. She came from Brazil. You're a long way from home. This is Brazil. 
an iconic scene from The Fast and the Furious. But how much do we really know about Brazil? This particular podcast might get emotional in the end. Stick around to find out why. So I came to the UK twice, uh, in a way. So when I finished my undergrad in biology back in Brazil, I I realized that I had a very strong, let's say, a weak point in my in my professional career, which was the fact that I couldn't speak any English. Um, when I started university, I could barely read anything, but I did some courses and I got to a point where I could read and understand, but it was very hard for me to speak. And I felt I had hit a wall where it didn't matter how many courses I would do, I would just be too embarrassed I to try Brazilian and speak. Culture, I love Brazilian food, and I have many Brazilian friends. The reason why I tell you this is because I hear many Brazilian speakers making the same kinds of mistakes. So I wanted to create this video to help my friends out, to help my So the best out, thing to do would to be to just force Brazilians myself who are trying uh, to, to do that. So I decided to look for courses outside of Brazil and everything was really expensive and there was no way I could afford that. Uh, so again, just by chance, an opportunity came my way and I found a charity institution in the UK, uh, which is in Cornwall. And which, funny enough, it's a region that sometimes not even people in England uh, have heard of or have been to, but I heard of Cornwall before in books, uh, and it was a magic place in my head. Uh, so when I found the institute, I thought it sounded amazing. So I managed to get this opportunity to work as a volunteer. It's a, it's a monkey sentry that take care of rescued monkeys that are kept as pets in the UK and in Europe, and they basically try to give them a good life. Uh, they, they don't intend to bring them back to wildlife or anything. They just try to make them happy. And they accept volunteers from all over the world. You could come and live there. You would have, they would give you food and a place to sleep. Um, and basically everything that you need to leave. And in exchange, you would work there every day. So I decided to, to take the risk uh, and come. So I spent three months in this place. And it was good because there were... It was basically not a chance that I would find a Brazilian person around me to speak Portuguese. Uh, and that forced me to, to learn to speak English despite how embarrassed I felt. Uh, of course, when I, when I left after three months, I was not necessarily fluent, but I was much more confident that I could, that I could try to do that. So that was the first time I came to the UK. Uh, I really enjoyed, but it was a, it was a bit isolating in a way because I was uh, in a beautiful but isolated area. And I can say that I, I was happy to go back home when the three months came because I was missing everyone a lot and just missing, you know, Brazil and my friends and the food and everything. Uh, so I then I did a master's in Brazil and halfway through my master's, uh, I started thinking about maybe doing my PhD degree abroad. And because of that experience that I had, I felt more confident to, to try and do something. So I applied to a position to get a PhD degree in Cambridge. And sometimes when I speak, as I speak, I still don't believe that it happened, but it did. I got invited and I got a scholarship that funded completely my degree and my salary and everything to come to the UK. And this was back in 2015 uh, when I accepted 
this offer and I came to the UK to do a PhD degree in genetics. Brazil is, Brazil is an amazing place. Um, I was born in a place called Salvador, which is the capital of a state called Bahia in the northeast coast of Brazil. So it's really, really paradise. Uh, have amazing beaches, really hot weather, uh, amazing food. So I was born there. But when I was one year old, my parents decided to go back to the countryside, to the town where they were both born. And this place, this place is called Mairi. So I basically grew up from one until I was 15 in, in Mairi. And Mairi was very different from Salvador because it was in the countryside. There were no beaches uh, and it's actually in a very dry region. Uh, so we, some of, some places around this region is, is struck with droughts and um, there are lots of farms and yeah, it's just, just very different culturally and the, the ecosystem, everything is really different. So I grew up in this tiny town uh, with lots of friends and basically both of my parents. I have two siblings, uh, but I was born 10 years later than them. So at some point it was basically me and my parents and my siblings had moved out already. Uh, when I was 15, uh, we agreed that I should go back to Salvador to study my high school there. So that would give me a chance to pass on an exam to go to a public university. And, and that's what I did. After interacting with Isabella, I definitely wanted to find out more about Brazil, a home to a hidden mountain, a ghost town, and of course, a jungle. According to TripAdvisor, the world's best beach is in Brazil. The Baia do Sancho brings in hundreds and thousands of tourists every year. Some of these other beautiful beaches can also be found in Salvador. Salvador is just, is just amazing. Um, as I said, it's by the beach. Uh, we have a lot of amazing food. We actually have a very, very strong African heritage um, in terms of the, the food that we eat and the, the music that we produce. Uh, and it's just, it's just beautiful. And the smells, the colors, uh, the people. I really, I really miss Salvador just as I speak to you. It's, so, it's, it's hard tell. because it's I amazing, really. I can tell. What about um, your family? Could you maybe tell us of one experience or something you used to do in your childhood that still kind of just makes you smile when you think about it now? The first thing that comes to my mind is uh, actually a very special day uh, that we have in Salvador. So as I said, Salvador has a very strong African heritage. Uh, so we have um, several religions that are strongly influenced by African culture, one of them being called Candomblé. And in Candomblé, you have this um, entity, which is, uh, she is a goddess of the sea. And her name is Yemanja. And the day of Yemanja is the 2nd of February. And it happens in the neighborhood of Salvador, uh, where I used to live, where my parents had uh, a little flat. And, and it's a beautiful party, such a beautiful ritual. I wouldn't dare to try to explain from the point of view of the religion because I would be ignorant. Uh, people come from all over the city to bring flowers to the gods of the sea. So you have these little boats going to the sea packed with flowers that everyone brought. And she's supposed to be, to like to be pretty and to feel beautiful. So people give mirrors and, 
and lavender and it's just the most beautiful thing everyone wears white and blue and the party goes on the whole day and this is by far my favorite day of the year we didn't used to have any traditions from that day but because my parents had a flat there it happened that every year lots of friends would come to the party itself and they would knock on our door i don't know to get a glass of water to say hi and at some point my mom said okay this is getting embarrassing Every year we're here and lots of people come and we don't have anything to offer. So we used to decided to just make um, a food called feijoada, which is uh, very typical in Brazil. It's a bean stew with lots of meats and sausages and, and pork. It's just the most delicious thing. And it's very easy to make in big quantities. It's not expensive and everyone loves it. So she made a big pan of feijoada one year. And whenever a friend came to say hi, they had something to eat and, you know, the gossip went around uh, and everyone heard about it. And next year I counted and we had 150 friends coming to say hi. So that became a big tradition for our family. And I know, I know. And it's just like a single bedroom flat. It was so oh funny. Uh, so that's by far, I think, the happiest memories that I have with my family. Well, if you are going to visit Brazil, make sure that you time your visit in such a way that you can samba your way through some of the hottest carnivals that they have. Brazilians are known to throw a party. Everything from the carnivals in Rio de Janeiro, in Salvador, Copacabana, and many, many more. Already, it feels like your life was exciting, but... How did you feel when you found out that you were going to be moving and you had this opportunity to go and further your studies? When I got the news, I was just, I think, in shock uh, for a good half an hour. And then I was screaming and calling everyone. And of course, being very excited because it was not anything that I really ever imagined for, for my life. It was not anything that I grew up thinking I was going to do. I never grew up thinking that I was going to leave Brazil, that I would have the chance to, to do anything like that. So it was really surreal. Um, and then I have, I have this very strong characteristic, which is people, people say that I'm really brave because I take on these challenges and these opportunities. But the way I feel inside myself is I just don't think about what I'm doing until I actually did it. And then I look and I ask myself, what have I done? <laughs> so it was like that when I came the first time to go to the to this monkey sanctuary. I got to the UK and I couldn't speak any English. I was 21 years old and I remember feeling, what have I done? Am I alone here? What am I going to do? Uh, and I felt exactly the same when I got to Cambridge. I can, I can talk about that a bit later. But it's funny because I just spoke about the 2nd of February and, and the day of Yamanja. And I was supposed to come to the UK in April. And of course, my mom said, oh, let's make a big celebration on Yemanja's day because your friends can come over. I'm going to make the most epic feijoada ever. And everyone can start saying goodbye to you. And it's going to be a great celebration of your achievement and before you go. But then life happened. Uh, and I had, I had this feeling that... When we get back, find out why Isabella had this funny feeling and exactly what transpired after that. You can always take this time to go ahead and check us out on Instagram at almostdiaspora or send me feedback on almostdiaspora at gmail.com. We'll be back after this break.
Kira Studio is a furniture making business based in Nairobi, Kenya. We provide custom furniture solutions for home, office, and hospitality. Find us online at tirastudio.co.ke and at tirastudio on socials. There are hundreds of thousands of Brazil immigrants residing in different parts of the world, especially in places like the United States and, of course, the United Kingdom. Isabella was just about to join this community. And even though she had received this amazing news about the opportunity at Cambridge, it also happened to come at what turned out to be a very difficult time. That 2nd of February of uh, 2015, things were a bit different because we were planning to have the feijoada and everything, but... Two days before, my mom started having really strong headaches. Uh, it was something that she was she was feeling for a while, um, but we were not giving too much attention to it, and she was not giving too much attention because she had migraines her whole life. But that time, it, it seemed a bit different. And on the day, on the first of February, we decided to take her to the hospital to see if she could get medication or do some tests. And it turned out that on the 2nd of February, uh, me and my family, we learned that my mom had a very aggressive type of brain tumor, which um, I cannot say was not the most remarkable day of my whole life. I will, I will never forget the feeling of getting those news and getting those news exactly on that one day of the year that was so special to me and that I always felt that something good was going to happen. So when I was waiting for the results, I was so sure it would be nothing because it was the 2nd of February and nothing bad happens on that day. Uh, so when the news came that it was the best or the worst possible scenario, I remember just being shocked and, and not knowing what to do. And my mom, of course, had to stay in the hospital to, to start her treatment and we had to go back home and it was a nightmare to get home because the party was going, the streets were full of people and no cars could drive around. So it was just the weirdest feeling to walk through those streets and not being able to, to be happy and to celebrate. And I just remember sitting by the sea and being like, I cannot go without putting my flower in the sea. And I did, but I remember feeling angry and sad and asking why, why is this happening to me? For a while, I, I could not make peace of that day. Every year, I started thinking that something bad would happen now. Um, and it didn't. So I think now I can look back and, you know, so many years have passed. I feel like it had to be on that day so that I, so that I could feel that I was not alone. And good things happen as well. And, and they happened after that day. But yeah. It was, it was not, definitely not what I expected to happen just before as I was preparing to go to Cambridge. Wow, Isabella, I can't imagine having been in that position. What were your thoughts at that time? Um, did you still want to take the opportunity at Cambridge or did you just want to stay? When I left the hospital, I was 100% sure that I was not going to Cambridge, uh, that this was not going to happen. I just could not see in my head how this could be a possibility. And I remember just as we got the news and we were going back home for the night and I was on the lift of the hospital with my siblings and my father and my brother just looked at me and he said, you are going, okay? Regardless of what happens, you are going. 
And I said, well, it's my life and it's my decision. And I really don't think I am. And it was just that silent, you know, trip on the lift. Uh, we went home and we had so many things to do and to sort out regarding my mom's treatment. So this was basically two months in between the diagnosis and the day I was supposed to go to Cambridge. And I remember that I didn't want to hear anyone's opinion except from my mom's on that regard. I thought it was mine and her problem exclusively and I didn't want to know what anyone else was thinking. So from my side, I was sure I was not going to go anymore. Um, but when we had a chance and we were alone, she she made it really clear to me that it was very important that I that I went. So my mom, I think everyone everyone says that about their moms, but my mom is, is really a wonderful person and she's the most generous person that I know. So she always she said that she always raised us to have wings and and to fly. And if it if this meant that we would be far away from her. She just really wished that we would live the most wonderful things we could. So I knew that for her, I, I knew that she was being honest and she was being sincere when she said that I wanted to go, that I should go and that she would be fine. Uh, so we had a very long conversation. She basically said that it would be much harder for her if I decided to stay um, and let this opportunity go because of what was happening then if I if I would go and you know we would keep in touch anyway and she would feel much stronger to 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 heal and to get better even if she was going to come and visit me it was just going to be much better for her and she couldn't deal with the fact that I would let go of this opportunity even though she would respect if I decided to stay uh, so eventually I, I decided to go and we made this pact that she would never lie to me and she would always tell me if she thought that things were not going okay and and i promised that i would call every day and we would talk every day i'm sorry if you can hear my cat that's fine um, everything was going really well with mom's treatment <laughs> and so i was feeling very confident and i was really feeling really happy that everything was going fine. So when I left Brazil, she was in a really good place. She had had surgery and she had started her treatment and she was reacting really well. Uh, so on that, on that sense, I was feeling pretty strong. But then that feeling came again when I finally got to Cambridge after so many hours traveling and carrying that massive suitcase full of, you know, full of my life and with four years ahead of me. I remember getting to the room that I was supposed to stay and there were no beddings, uh, there was nothing basically. It was really uncomfortable when I arrived uh, and it was late at night, I couldn't go and buy anything. And I just remember sitting on the bed and again asking, what have I done? I don't know anyone here, I'm alone. It's such a hard time for me anyway and I have four years ahead of me. Um, and this is not even considering the, the academic challenge that I put myself into. I was just started doubting myself, doubting everything, doubting my capacity, um, thinking that I was there just by chance and I wouldn't be able to make it. Uh, but then on the next day, you know, I did what my mom usually does, which is, is start decorating the place where you are. It doesn't matter for how long you're going to stay, make it yours. So that's what I did. And I bought some flowers, um, bought some stuff. And he started doing things and going to the laboratory and meeting new people. Uh, and it's really funny because on my 
three days after I arrived at Cambridge, I met my boyfriend completely by chance. And I have to say, we got, we got pretty busy <laughs> as we met each other and we're still together now. So I think that was a, a big plus that made things much easier for me. You shared that there was um, a time that your family was able to just come down and see you. How did that feel? That was in 2017 when we said, you know, she's strong enough and we shouldn't wait until tomorrow to do this. Let's make it happen. So my mom came with my father and my sister. Uh, and those two weeks were the, the best of my life. It was the most amazing thing because everything about everything in Cambridge and in the UK reminded me of them. So my, my mom and my dad, they're really into old things and old buildings and, and history. And my mom always uh, enjoyed uh, renovating furniture and everything. So everything, it was so rustic and it just reminded of her, everything, the flowers. So it was basically a dream coming true really to show them around and to bring them to the place where I used to work. Um, my dad started crying. <laughs> When he when he got to the lab and I showed him some of the the organisms that I was working with and I showed him in a microscope and I got distracted and when I saw him he was in the sitting down in the office and he was crying silence because he was uh, emotional and it was the yeah just the sweetest thing to to watch really because again it, it was not we don't have you know people doing PhDs in my family it was not anything that was expected to happen so it was really mind-blowing for them and for me as well let's find out what the brazilians think when they think about england william shakespeare the first thing is the nicky robin books and are very very amazing and the, the landscapes and the london eye the big band brazil is the largest country in south america it's named from a tree named brazil wood now, the cultures of indigenous Indians, African and Portuguese have together formed the modern day Brazil. And of course, the Portuguese culture is by far the most dominant of all these influences. This is where Brazilians acquire their main religion and most of their customs as well as their language. The very same language that Isabella struggled with. Do you have any interesting stories you can share with us about how crazy it was navigating um, this new country with a new language? Oh, absolutely. I could have a whole podcast on funny situations with English. Uh, but I think I remember in the first months leaving the UK, I don't know how many um, unwanted sales or cards or whatever I ended up getting just because I had no idea what the person in the shop was telling me and I was just nodding and moving my head and being whatever just let me get out of here and then this person gives me this card or this piece of paper and I don't know what to do because I simply didn't understand what they said so yeah hundreds of those uh, and also I remember the first time I met my boyfriend's family they they have a very strong accent, especially his stepdad. And I remember going there and he was warning me all the time, don't feel bad if you don't understand him. Sometimes even my nieces don't understand him. And I was terrified. And yeah, indeed, I didn't understand a single word of what he said, uh, which was hilarious. Trying to have a conversation, just trying to get some key words on the phrase. Uh, you, you develop that skill. But now, yeah, we are best friends. I absolutely love him and he really likes me as well. And we laugh a lot together. So I think it's really about accepting that you will go through embarrassing situations and it's fine. 
everyone has been through embarrassing situations and it's just learning to laugh at yourself and, and understand that these challenges they will come and, and it's fine i think the best thing to do is uh, to cook some home food um, so i always make sure that i make a brazilian food and i cook some beans and i have some cassava flour um, i cook with palm oil and, and coconut milk and some chili and everything it, it's almost as if home comes back um, that's definitely what makes me that's what comforts me the most in, in moments like that it's cooking my food and, and knowing that I'm close to home somehow I also like to um, put the radio to play so there's an app that you can access radio stations from all over the world and it's this radio station from Brazil that I really like so I just put it to play on the speakers in the background even if I'm not paying attention to it gives me a feeling of being home uh, listening to Brazilian music as well and to podcasts make sure that I'm connected with um, stories about people from from the same roots as me and from the same heritage as me makes me makes me feel that I'm close to home it's hard to be an immigrant sometimes after some so many years you start feeling like this is not home but brazil is not home either because when i go there it's as if i'm not from there you know from from the brazilian perspective they say that i changed so it's a bit of a weird place to be at but these are the things that i do and it usually helps me quite a bit now i might let you get back to your cat because um is it a she or a he <laughs> it's a he his name is Gabo uh, which is the nickname of Gabriel Garcia Marquez a Latin American writer that I really like he clearly needs attention as well I'm really sorry about that no that's I fine I tried to close the door but he managed to open that's perfectly okay and I guess that's something else um, someone could do I mean having a pet um, could probably also make you feel like you have a small piece of home near you Absolutely. So wanting a cat was something that I feeling that I nourished for a very long time, for several years. And my boyfriend was always like, oh, we're moving all the time. It's not fair. We don't know what's going to happen. And as soon as I got this job and I knew I was going to be here for a little while, I said, I am having a cat. There's no way I can live my whole life with fear of you know, putting a frame on the wall because I might move back to a different country in in a while so we made a decision and it was especially with the pandemic it was the best thing that happened to to our lives last year well the best thing for us today one is of course you sharing your story and um the fact that gabu was able to join us as well thank you so much isabella i'm looking forward to speaking to you soon but thank you for being part of this episode today Thank you so much it was a very special opportunity and yeah i do hope that someone can connect and Maybe feel better after listening to this podcast. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, since recording this episode, Isabella's mom's health took a turn for the worst. She lost her earlier this month on April the 2nd. May her soul rest in peace. Every day the faces of despair multiply. The estimated number of people around the world who've died due to coronavirus has now topped 3 million, with the highest number in America, followed by Brazil, Mexico and India. In Brazil, so far, more than 370,000 people... This podcast is dedicated to all those who have lost someone during this pandemic, for everyone who's struggling in Brazil right now, as they say goodbye to their loved ones. 
and for those who are unable to be near their families because of all the COVID restrictions. Thank you for listening to Almost Diaspora. My name is Myra Anubi.